Welcome to Dear Amber, Chinese Paws Insider's Guide to Everything China. This week, we hear all about an interesting trip to a traditional Chinese medicine doctor. And one of our listeners from the States stops by to tell us about some interesting research he's doing for a book while in China. This question comes from Christine. Christine asks, Dear Amber, what is a visit to a traditional Chinese medicine doctor like in China? And this question, well, I've been to one doctor myself, but I have a friend, Rebecca, who's back. Hi, Rebecca. Hello. <laughs> and she's also been. Now, personally, I've been to an acupuncturist. How about you, Rebecca? What kind of Chinese doctor did you see? I went to one uh, specializing in women's problems. Oh, yes. <laughs> and our friend, Rebecca, is so bold and kind to come and share her experience. <laughs> It was hilarious. <laughs> okay, so Rebecca, tell us, like, okay, maybe, I mean, you don't have to tell us what you're problem was but how was it going to the doctor like did you feel comfortable with it I think I definitely felt comfortable. A couple of things to know: you have to wait forever. Like in these traditional, like Chinese hospitals, it's not like you make an appointment; you just get there and line up. And when your number's called, so But, it's um, sort of like a hospital, a Chinese medicine yeah. hospital. Yeah, it was. It was. A, it was a very small hospital. Okay. Yeah. And how did you find it? Uh, one of my Chinese friends recommended it to so me. So that's always good yeah. to get a recommendation, yeah. I think, because otherwise maybe you won't know who the heck yeah, you're going exactly. to. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so you get there, and what was it like? You line up. Were you the only Westerner there? I was the only Westerner, so mm. I was quite eager to start trying to share my problem with the doctor because I knew what would happen. Everybody's ears would be on me. Um, when I got there, there's a there's a room where you where the doctor was sitting in.、Mm -hmm. So. I know that in the West, like, we sort of have this sense of privacy、oh, thing.、Yes. Okay, <laughs> so I look in the room. I'm like, this cannot be the doctor's room. So what do you mean? Like the doctor is with the? Is there a separate room or what? Okay, there's no separate room. There was this. There was this little old lady,、mm -hmm. very very cute. She looked almost like a cliched Chinese doctor, actually. Yeah. She had little round spectacles, and one of them was split in half when it was all taped、oh. up. <laughs> and the thing is, she was in this very very small room, sitting at a wooden. Desk, but in the room with her were about thirty thirty women, at least thirty women waiting around. So when it was the patient's turn, you would just come and pull up the closest seat next to her desk,、mm -hmm. or like next to her. Yeah, there'd be people leaning all over the desk around her, hanging around the background, and everybody was like. You know, I could hear people, you know, sharing their problem. Most of it was in Shanghai, Shanghai Hua, so、yeah. I couldn't understand it. But I could tell, like,、um, the the patient was sharing the problem with the doctor. We often have people tell us things like, "I gave learning Mandarin a shot, but then I realized I really don't have enough time to commit to it." Folks who felt this way love Chinese Pod Recap. In as little as ninety seconds a day, you can refresh what you've learned so far. While adding a bit of what's new to your daily learning, an innovative language learning tool to fit the busy, fast-paced lifestyle of today's professionals. Everybody was laughing and <laughs> like, cackling and about the problem. About the problem, like it was. And these、so、are all、open. patients, or all patients. Oh, they're not like interns or something. No, no they're all patients. It was hilarious. Oh, that's so great! So, when it came around to your turn, how was it? Like, I mean, could you communicate? Did the doctor speak English or? Okay, like my、um, extent of、uh, medical terminology in Chinese <laughs> goes as far as Darbian or something like that. So,、yeah. I have no idea. Which means,、uh, for those who don't know, it means number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is always a question that will probably come up when you end up at the doctor. Exactly.、So、good to learn. You learned it here on Dear Amber. <laughs> okay, so maybe the other one is Xiao Bian, right? Yeah, which is number one, right? Yeah, so if you know those two. You're sad. 
Okay, so. sort of. So I'm thinking, okay, what to do? Because mm. I sort of didn't expect that she wouldn't speak any English at all. And I didn't know how to sort of explain, you know, women's related problems to her. So, yeah, like you can point, but like. Sure. <laughs> so I ended up calling my friend. Mm. And um, she, I told her what was, what was wrong with me. And then this doctor takes my mobile phone and yeah. does this three-way consultation. <laughs> and um, in the meantime... As uh, the doctor's listening to the conversation, mm-hmm. that, you know, from my friend telling what's yeah. the problem, everybody had gone quite unusually quiet. <laughs> and then it got to this point, she was asking me, you know, how long I'd been experiencing a certain discomfort for. <laughs> and uh, as I told her, because I could actually say the, the time portion of it, the whole clinic went, oh, like <laughs> this sharing feeling of all these women sympathizing with my with my problem. These women, they cross all borders, you people. <laughs> yeah. We can all sympathize. Exactly. <laughs> no matter what language, no matter what culture. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so what happened then? The doctor figured out what was wrong with you then. So then she, she's, uh, yeah, she writes me out some script or something like that. Mm. So I had to take, uh, I had to go to the clinic and get my traditional Chinese medicine. Ah, the prescription. The prescription, which I was quite unprepared for and very, very fascinated by, actually. Wow. So did she examine your body at all? Like- uh, she just took my blood pressure and oh, yeah. heart. And- yeah, often they take your pulse and look at your tongue, I've noticed. Right. Exa- and my eyes. I think she looked at my eyes as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you got your prescription. So is it like pills or what, how does the, what form does it come in these days? Well, I really didn't know what to expect, but basically I went to the counter. I had to find another part of the hospital mm-hmm. and put this thing in and I came back 30 minutes later because it took that long to prepare it. Yeah. I got these two big shopping bags <laughs> and inside were like 15 or 20 like small paper parcels mm-hmm. and it was actually the traditional Chinese herb medicine yeah. that you've got to cook up at home. Ah. It, it looked like the stuff um, you know we used to put on our lawn like mulch yeah. in Australia like all bits of bark and seeds and leaves. Oh, yeah. and, and there's always those little red ones. Right. Those what red is berries. Yeah. Goji berry I think it's called. Okay. I heard they're like really trendy in the West now. There's like a major health food. Really? But they're always in Chinese medicine. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah so I, I got all this stuff and had to work out how to get it home and it smelled good at that stage. That's really? something I would like to highlight. It did smell good at one it point. It smelled like a little bit eucalyptus and mm. you know like something good for your body yeah you must not have gotten the deer antler prescription then or whatever <laughs> maybe what? yours was more like a fruit and nut and berry prescription because <laughs> right. I, I do know there's like the deer shake. antlers sometimes and also body parts like I mean of, of animals <laughs> right <laughs> depending okay. on your problem okay Anyways. glad they didn't throw a bit of that Darby in there yes <laughs> okay so I, I got it home and it so what um what smell Okay, turned into something that was abhorrent. Okay, how long did you have to cook it for? Okay, it's very, very precise. I had to get specific instructions. First of all, you've got to buy this clay pot. Okay. And uh, you you cook it the first lot. Mm -hmm. You've got to uh, put all those dry herbs in the pot and then put the water to three times above the level that it comes to. This is good you're explaining this because probably a lot of our listeners, when they go, they won't understand what they have to do. Okay, <laughs> please don't remember this because I could be slightly off. You better to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you have to, you cook it for, um, I think it was 10 minutes or until it had just reduced down to the level. Ah. And then you add only a little bit more water okay. and, and simmer it again for another 40 minutes. Wow. So basically this pot of water reduces <laughs> into like sludge, just 
doesn't it? It's revolting. <laughs> it's pitch black. It stinks. Like I remember um, Shannon coming in the door and he's like, what is this smell? And it wouldn't leave the apartment for days. <laughs> so yeah. how about the taste? Were you able to take the medicine as prescribed? I, I finished it, but I think I almost died. Whatever the problem was, was Did it cure boiled you? out. Um, no, <laughs> but I think that's my fault. I was supposed to go back, but I couldn't face another round of Chinese medicine after that. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, come on, any barks and herbs, it probably does do good things for your body. Yeah. But yeah, I do remember too that when I went to the acupuncturist, he also gave me a prescription and I, you're better than me because honestly, I did it once and I could not even barely swallow. Yeah. And after that, to this day, it's funny. There's this one Aveda. I use this Aveda brand of hair products. It's all natural. And there's this one I put in my hair that smells exactly like that really? Chinese medicine. And to this day, I, like every time I put it in, I'm like, bah. <laughs> yeah, I think the thing is with the Chinese medicine, you, you need to be patient. You need to go back. It, like it can be six to eight months, if not more, treatment programs on those things. So it's unless true. you're going to dedicate yourself, it's not going to do much. Yeah, you've got to be dedicated. Or yeah. you can just go for the experience. But I do have to say yeah. that the acupuncture, it really worked. It actually cured well. It helped with my problem. Really? We'll yeah. go into a Dear Amber on that later. Okay. Time. Yeah, I've got a story to share too. <laughs> okay, we'll come back with that one. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Rebecca. No problem. So this brings us to word of the week, everybody. When your Chinese medicine doctor writes you your bark and grass prescription, the way you say that in Chinese is to say, kai yao fang, kai yao fang. So that's how you say in Chinese, write a prescription. And don't forget, we also have a lesson on ChinesePod.com about traditional Chinese medicine, an intermediate lesson. So go there and check it out so that you'll be prepared on your next visit. Hey guys, it's Michael here at ChinesePod. And we want to say thank you to all of our faithful subscribers. If you're not registered yet, head over to ChinesePod.com now and get 20% off. Use promo code GET20 at checkout to get 20% off your first year. Today on Dear Amber, we have a very special guest who came all the way from... Austin, Texas. Wow. It's like nine out of ten people that come visit us <laughs> are from Austin, Texas. It's like Clay's influence, the Texas magnet. So, Professor Orlando Kelm from the University of Texas, right? University of Texas <laughs> at Austin. Yeah. So, Hook em horns. What are you doing in China? Well, I am here interviewing Chinese executives for a book we're writing in the business school. So cool. So... I heard from you earlier that you said all of your Chinese is learned on Chinese pod. Is it true? I am a, I'm a, I am a, a result of uh, everything that Chinese pod does. I'm a poster boy. <laughs> you could become our boy, poster boy, yeah. Maybe you could be like a clone, like we produce a Chinese pod clone and that could be you. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had a university professor be a poster boy for a Chinese pod I know, before. we're so honored. <laughs> okay, so you've come here, you've learned all your Chinese that you've learned on Chinese pod, and you're doing interviews with people in Chinese? The interviews are actually in English, oh. but I do all the <laughs> social, hi, how you doing, sort of stuff first in, English, in, in Chinese as much as I can. And so I'm sure that totally helps to sort of like warm up the interviewee, right? You know, they totally don't expect it. Yeah. And, and, and it's interesting. You'd have to, have to say two words in Chinese and they go, oh, you're wonderful. <laughs> you I know, know, I love said that. two words. <laughs> I know, I love that. And then later after you've been here like two years, you're like, 
what was I even saying then? <laughs> they were saying it was wonderful. Yeah, but that's the good thing is that Chinese people are so encouraging. You know, the other day you gave that lesson on how, when people ask, where are you from? And mm. How many different ways you can do that? Yeah. Oh, man, I've been hit with that. If, if they would just say, ni shen, na li shen, yeah. I'd be fine. But no, they have these like five different ways to say this. And I just... I, it's so true. I, I feel bad, but I don't understand that simple question. Yeah, but you can see how in a week here you can learn like so much. Right. You can put to use everything you've learned. Okay, so you've written a book before about Brazilians working with Americans. And I understand that that's something to do with what the book that you're writing now is about. Yeah. You know, last year we, we went and did interviews in Brazil, mm-hmm. that's which is my main area. And we interviewed Brazilian executives to see what's it like working with Americans. Mm-hmm. From a Brazilian perspective, what happens when you know you're going to work with a North American? Wow. After we wrote the book, we said, we ought to try this from a Chinese perspective. Yeah, so how did you get from Brazil to China? You know, I, I've done Spanish and Portuguese for so many years. I do a little bit of Italian, a little bit of Romance languages. I got tired of Romance languages, so <laughs> I said, like, let me, let me try some Chinese for a while. <laughs> yes, Chinese, I think, is not known as the I, language of I just think it's romance. good for a language teacher to have to learn a new language every so often so they can remember what it's like to, to suffer a little bit. Yeah. Yes, it's good to spice it up yeah. a little. <laughs> How did you find the interviewees? First of all, who are you interviewing? Um, these are executives that work with the North Americans. You just It's one of these, you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, and they'll mm-hmm. have a friend. Oh, I have a friend in Shanghai. You can go see him while you're there. And uh, sure enough, it just uh, I got almost 20, 30 interviews lined up in this week that I've been here. Wow. And that must be so interesting to meet all those people. So what kind of things have you found? Can you share it with us? Like maybe we'll get some previews for the book. Right. Insights. A couple of ideas. You know, I, I talked with one company, with, and I won't say the names of the companies because we told them we won't, you know, officially ah. use their names. But uh, one company talked about how Americans always talk in superlatives when they when they talk to them. They say, you're wonderful. You're great. This That's is so awesome. True. I even noticed that as a Canadian that like yeah. Americans do that. <laughs> and. And, and, and she said, we're uncomfortable with that because we never talk that way about people. Mm, she said, true. you know, we never say to a person, you are great. You are awesome. And, and she said, what we do instead is I will take them out to, to eat. Mm-hmm. I will buy them their, their dinner for them. Yes. Or if I go on a trip, I'll bring a gift back for them. But I never actually say the words, you are great. So it's like they kind of show that they think you're great through actions, not through words. And, and so what happens culturally is they don't know what to do when somebody says to them, you are great. You are wonderful. It's true because Chinese people feel very uncomfortable with that. Like they could never just in, like agree or even say thank you, right? They always have to sort of... Yeah. So, the, so basically what happens with compliments, if you say to an American, that's a very nice shirt you are wearing, they will say, thank you very much. My mother bought it for me. Mm -hmm. So you give somebody else credit for how nice the shirt is. Right. If you say to somebody in China, that's a very nice shirt, they'll probably deny it. They'll Mm -hmm. say, oh, no, it's not a very nice shirt. Um, And so so that whole idea of how you get compliments, how you receive compliments, it's been fun to talk to the executives about that. Yeah, and you can see that that would really come into play in the business world in different ways, right? If someone's always telling you you're great, and then you're kind of thinking, hey, aren't I great? (laughs) Even think of the way that Americans send emails in their messages and the way they thank people. They use those same kind of words as well. Yeah, it's true. So what else have you found? Well, let's see. um, One company, it was very interesting talking to them about how, how... Americans that visit, how do they choose people to be their area managers? Mm-hmm. And they said sometimes, because people have limited English, the person with the strongest English skills is chosen as the one to be the area manager. Right. It may not be the person who actually is the best sales representative. It may not be the person who's the most effective in their job, but it's the person who has the best English. Mm. That then causes problems down the road. 
right. either the person really isn't qualified for that position or everybody else that works in the office really knows who is the best. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it a little a bit of a delicate situation. And, um, and so that idea of you know, how do you really choose who gets a promotion, that's a problem they have with North Americans in that they, uh, they choose people based on English language skills sometimes instead of uh, their actual ability in sales. Yeah, I think that would be a real challenge for overseas companies doing business here. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing related to that same one is well, how do you get feedback about that? You know, because it, North Americans were very... We, we try to participate, get group involved, everybody's mm-hmm. equal, what is your opinion, share it with me. If you present things to a group of, of Chinese and ask them afterwards, what's your opinion of this, it's very difficult for them to say to a superior, I think you ought to do something a little bit different. Mm, that's uh, true. You know, you don't really want to cross that superior and then find out later on that he was upset by what you said or he lost face because you, in front of everybody else, showed that the boss was wrong. Mm-hmm. And so getting feedback is difficult. And I talked to one executive, they resolved that by having third party people that come into the company and anonymously talk to all the employees. And the employees were more willing to give that feedback to that third party individual who then reports all those things back again to the to the central office. That way they got the feedback from the employees, but the employees never had to directly give that feedback to their superiors or in front of their superiors. I mm. thought that was rather clever. That is interesting. Actually, that kind of reminds me of um, one uh, friend that I had, their boss. He would he was learning Chinese, and he would say a lot of things in Chinese. And then all the employees would say, oh, you're so Chinese is so good. You did so well. But really, no one could understand anything he said. And then later, it led to problems because actually the boss thought that his Chinese was better <laughs> than it was. But nobody would really tell him the truth. <laughs> I've gone through that this week. Sometimes I say something, and, and you can just tell nobody understood anything. <laughs> oh, of course they did. <laughs> Hello, friends. This is Sarah Chung, a content creator for ChinesePod. Each week, we find new topics relevant to you and send them to your mobile device. Currently, we have over 4,000 lessons on the app covering a variety of topics. A huge thank you to all of our subscribers who make this amazing journey possible for all. If you are not a subscriber and you would like to try us out with no obligation, go to ChinesePod.com and start your free 30-day trial. You have nothing to lose and so much to gain, so sign up now. Okay, yeah, I can see that's interesting, but they do need like a neutral party. It is true that in the culture, people speak very indirectly, and it's rare to find someone that would just tell you maybe to your face that you've done something wrong. Mm -hmm. So um, is there anything else culturally that you're going to include in your book that we can get a preview to? Yeah, there's one I thought was interesting. Uh, one company had a merger, mm-hmm. and the parent company had a had a, a policy about nepotism that they did not allow relatives to work in the same departments or mm-hmm. in the same company. But the the company that they they acquired during the the acquisition didn't have a nepotism clause, so they had a lot of people within that company who were relatives also working in the same department. And so that created a problem. What do you do? In, in the American companies, if they have those sort of mergers, you actually have to tell them, sorry, only one of you can continue in this company. Mm-hmm. The rest of you have to go find a new job somewhere. But in this case, they did an analysis of what were the results of people that were working together. 
and uh, they found out that it really wasn't a negative thing, and so they allowed them to continue with kind of like a grandfather clause. And then anybody else that joins the company later on would have to join the new policy of not allowing nepotism and relatives to work in the same department. And, and the culturally what was going on with that is Americans look at nepotism negatively because we think of it as not being fair. Mm-hmm. It's not fair that this person would have an advantage over another one because they're in the same family. Yeah. But in other cultures, and I assume China is one of them, nepotism is not seen as negative. It's seen as, who would I trust? Mm-hmm. Would I trust a... Does anybody? No, I would trust a member of my family. Yeah. And so instead of being a fairness issue, and it's an issue of trust. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Many Chinese companies are family-based, like built up all around the family. So I think it's very normal in Chinese culture. I don't think anyone would think because they're a family member, they can slough off or anything like that. So anyway, I've had a lot of fun doing the interviews. I did about 20 or so here in, in, in Shanghai. Next week, I'm going to Beijing, and I'll be doing another 20 or so there, and then I'll go home and write it all up, and oh, I think hopefully it's a, it'll be a cool book. I think it's such a great way to come to China, too, because a lot of times, if you just come as a tourist, you might not ever interact with the local people that much. So what a great idea. I will definitely yeah, read fun. that book. <laughs> totally great. interesting. Well, thanks for coming, and thanks for visiting oh, the Chinese been cool. We're it's honored. Like, it's like a dream. I get to be part of <laughs> Is it Chinese how you imagined pod. it? Oh, yeah. It's all. It's everything you'd ever hope And he's so nice. He brought us all presents. <laughs> Well, that's it for this week's Dear Amber, the insider's guide to everything China. Please send your questions to dearamber at praxislanguage.com or to my profile at chinesepod.com. And please don't forget to go to the comments section of Dear Amber, found in the extras tab at chinesepod.com, and leave us your comments on what we talked about today and anything else. We'll see you next time. Ciao,